Happy Easter. I'm going to tell you a short little story. Test the limits of your concentration. <laughs> Some of you. So this is a story about Easter. And this is a little bit of a sad story, but it's also a very beautiful and very special story because it's about all of us. And that's why we celebrate Easter. Now, this is the story of what happened right after Jesus died. And the time when Jesus died, well, about Jesus. Now, all of you know that Jesus was a great master and that he had great, great love for everyone. But above all, more than anything, he had great, great love for God. And he had great trust in God. And being a master, he was one with God. And so at the time of his death, Jesus was not afraid. When it was time to die, he was brave and he was calm. And after he died, some soldiers took Jesus and they wrapped his body up in long strips of cloth and they put him in a cave called a tomb and they put a big heavy rock over the entrance to the cave so nobody could get in there and Jesus was dead. And they left some soldiers there outside the cave to guard it so that nobody could come there. Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the why is because even though so many people loved Jesus, some people did not. They didn't understand. But the next part of the story is very special. Two days passed. And it was a Sunday, just like today, very early in the morning, like when Jay gets up. <laughs> the sun was just barely coming up. And there the earth began to tremble. And then it began to shake like an earthquake. A beautiful light came down from heaven. And there was an angel there. And the soldiers were there at the cave. They fell to the ground. And the big, heavy the big heavy stone that was guarding the cave moved aside. And at that moment, one of Jesus' good friends, Mary Magdalene, had come to visit the place where they buried Jesus. And she came there, and she saw what had happened. The stone was moved, the soldiers were on the ground, and Jesus was gone. She couldn't believe it. And she was sad, and so she ran away from there. And as she ran, she came to two more of Jesus' friends. Simon Peter, and another friend that Jesus loved very much and who loved Jesus. And she told them what happened. And so they ran to the cave to see for themselves. And she, they saw the stone was moved. They saw that the soldiers were on the ground. And they saw the long strips of cloth that had wrapped up Jesus were folded up there in the cave. Now they believed that Jesus had died, but that God had brought him back to life. And so they ran too, but they ran to tell the others, Jesus' friends, because they believed that Jesus was alive. But Mary did not believe. She stayed there near the cave, and she was crying. She was sad, and she was sitting there crying and crying, and the sun was coming up, and it was bright there. And as she was crying, a man came to her, and he said to her, Mary, why are you crying? And she said, they took my master away. 
they killed Jesus and they took him away. And again, he said her name, Mary. And she looked up, she was crying, she looked up and she saw it was Jesus and he was alive. And she reached out to touch him, but he said, no, don't touch me yet. I'm going to our father, to God. And he is your father too. Go and tell the others. And so she did. Mary ran off to tell all of Jesus' friends and all people, just like I'm telling you now, that Jesus did come back and he is alive. And he came, and he came to share God's love with everyone, to share God's love and God's joy forever and forever. And that's what we're doing now. And that's the story of Easter. Thank you for that wonderful story. Great. So, again, welcome everyone and happy Easter. My name is um, Nayaswami Nandi, this is Nayaswami Bharat, and we're very, very happy to be here with you this morning. The reading this morning is from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda. And this is a special reading for Easter. Some chairs right there. Resurrection for every soul. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 20, we read the inspiring account of Jesus' resurrection. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in their midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. The resurrection of Jesus, doubted by many, but affirmed by those who were close to him, was a miraculous event, though one not unique in history. For many great saints of other religions have appeared to their disciples after death. Sometimes their appearances have been as that of Jesus was in flesh and blood form and not only in vision. Paramahansa Yogananda relates in Autobiography of a Yogi the account of his guru, Sri Yukteswar's resurrection after his earthly passing. Miracles of this type are revealed only rarely to the masses, but accounts of them, related by men and women of reputed truthfulness, have inspired many devotees with faith in the reality of subtler than material states of existence. 
Resurrection, Yogananda explained, means transformation, ultimately, from any lower state of being to a higher one. Worldly consciousness cannot imagine such transformation, except in terms, perhaps, of an improvement of the present mess of pottage with the addition of a new flavoring. Divine consciousness, however, is capable of taking the base metal of worldliness and transforming it into the spiritual gold of divine wisdom and love. In keeping with this truth, the Bhagavad Gita in the ninth chapter tells us, Ah, ye who into this ill world are come, fleeting and false, set your faith fast on me, Fix heart and mind and thought on me. Adore me. Bring offerings to me. Make me prostrations. Make me your supremest joy. And undivided unto my rest, your spirits shall be guided. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. to read from Whispers from Eternity, and I'll read part of Master's poem on uh, Come to Me, O Christ, as the Divine Shepherd of Souls. <clears throat> Thy test on the cross proved the victory of divine wisdom over ignorance, of thy divine soul over flesh, of thy happiness over pain and of thy love over hatred. So are we heartened to bear our crosses bravely and with faith. Teach us when we are crucified by harshness. I'm kind of at the point between needing reading glasses and not reading. <laughs> Let me uh, take, uh, so we are heartened to bear our own crosses bravely and with faith. Teach us when we are crucified by harshness to pour out only sweetness, to bear with calmness the assaults of worry, and to give understanding unceasingly to those who unjustly hate us. O shepherd of souls, wandering hearts are seeking of themselves the one fold of divine devotion. We have heard the ever uh, call of music of thy infinite kindness. Our one desire is to find our home in thee, to receive the cosmic Father with the joyous open eyes of wisdom, and to know that all of us are sons of our own one God. Teach us to conquer the Satan, a dividing selfishness, which prevents the gathering of all our brother souls in the one fold of spirit, calling to one another by the watchword, love him who loves you, and love all who loves you not. Let us rally beneath the canopy of the universal oneness of the Christ. Amen. <laughs> it's quite a soul-thrilling uh, call uh, on Yogananda's part in that poem. You know, uh, as children of spirit, 
uh, we're made in the image of God. And just as God is untouched by his creation, he wants us too to be untouched uh, by his creation. And that's really the whole point of this whole drama of, of delusion. Uh, we have to be separate from God. Uh, uh, I'm, I haven't read where Master has said this, but it, it seems like so that we could have enough self-awareness to feel God's joy, because that's what actually uh, uh, God told Yoga, Yogananda, why did you make creation? Uh, I wanted to share my joy and my bliss. And it's something very, very important in the journey of the soul, who at first is, has a material consciousness, and then uh, learns that they are spirit and reclaims uh, their spiritual nature. The meaning of Easter is really the soul's victory over material consciousness. There are three principles that will help us to resurrect ourselves uh, as Jesus did. Uh, the first one is to accept the divine will. And there's a humorous story, but a very insightful story, that a disciple of Yogananda, uh, one of his monks, uh, told. And he had just arrived uh, at uh, the Mount Washington Yogananda's ashram. And they were developing a lake shrine property. And he just was new to everything. And immediately they went out and they started planting the palm trees up on the hillside. And uh, it was no easy task. Uh, there was just uh, maybe uh, half an inch of soil and they had to dig with their picks and dig a big hole. And uh, they had to uh, bring the dirt from below and bring water and fertilizer. And so they had worked all day and they just had one more tree to plant. And it was the end of the day, and uh, uh, they, they, Yogananda was standing there below and said, plant uh, the tree right here. And so they staked it and they dug, and it took them a while to do it. And then uh, he said, no, 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 you planted it in the wrong place. You aren't listening to me. Uh, it's over here. Uh, and so they... Uh, put the soil back in. Uh, they couldn't take the water out. Uh, they had to bring more water. And uh, they uh, got the uh, hole ready for uh, the tree to be planted. They planted it there. And it was, oh, no, 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 the wrong place again. What's the matter with you guys? And, uh, and then again, uh, it was the wrong place. And as they were digging, it was either the fourth or the fifth hole. And uh, the monk was, had his pitchfork, and he was digging into the earth. And he looked, and Yogananda had below had sighted himself uh, so that they say, now, uh, uh, plant it in, uh, we're in the line that I'm standing on. And so as he was digging, uh, he saw the corner of his eye, Yogananda stand <laughs> over to the left. <laughs> and they said, you guys aren't listening at all. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> and uh, by this time, all the older monks, and luckily this monk, they were laughing. Uh, and they knew that Yogananda was testing uh, them. There was, unfortunately, one that was even newer. And he left the next day. <laughs> but we, um, you know, uh, this, this monk, like all true uh, devotees of the guru, uh, he just said, I, I, I had no self-ambition. I just wanted to learn from my guru. And, uh, and he just said that, you know, the ego uh, and the narrow uh, sort of 
rationalizations that we, the ego makes uh, is, are just huge obstacles on the path. And you know, it takes a lot of change. If you are to change um, uh, ice uh, into um, uh, water, uh, then it takes energy, doesn't it? Well, can you imagine the energy it takes? I'm sure that you can uh, not only imagine, you, you know you, the energy it takes to go from matter consciousness to spiritual consciousness. Just think of the transformation uh, that's required. You know, it takes five billion life, or five million lifetimes. Uh, but when a soul is, wants God, they're very, very close, and especially when they have an inner path. There's a, a story of a, um, a saint uh, he told of his grandmother. Uh, his grandmother was his guru. And she wanted to uh, help him learn about attachment. And uh, she said, I want you to sit in this rocking chair. I want you to hold on and see if you can uh, still remain uh, sitting in the rocking chairs. And she came up. And she grabbed him, and he was only about 10 years old at the time. And she started pulling, and he held on firmly to the rocking chair. And he pulled and pulled, and then finally she pulled him out. <laughs> he kind of hurt his arms a little bit. Uh, and then she said, now this time, I want you just to relax and come with, come with me as I pull you. And so she reached down, and he just lifted himself up. And she said, what was the difference? Well, the first time, grandmother, it hurt. Uh, did it hurt the second time? No. And you know, Yogananda and the yogic teachings, they say that there's an outward flowing energy, which is Satan keeping us in matter consciousness, and there's inward flowing energy. And uh, we, uh, if we ride that outward flowing energy, we, we're living in material consciousness. And if we hold on to that and in, in the beginning that's all we know and so that's a natural tendency is to hold on to things uh, and the, the rocking chair is pretty comfortable uh, and you know uh, you're, you're secure in the rocking chair but if we go with that inward flowing energy without resistance uh, then that's when we can really make progress and when we can leave uh, the whole old world behind that's what a pilgrim uh, is the definition of pilgrim, is someone who leaves the old world and the old ways behind uh, for a new world, a new discovery. And for the devotee, that's an eternal discovery. Yogananda said to overcome karma, we have to uh, meet it even-mindedly and cheerfully. And just, uh, just being neutral about what happens to us and he, uh, Swami Kriyananda also said that karma is a blessing, a divine love. Because, you know, we, uh, God, want, uh, he, he, it hurts him when he sees that we're in limitation. And, uh, but he has to uh, have each soul learn its lesson. He can't come to a person and influence them and, with his joy. And they can't really stand on their own two feet with it if he recedes, it's not really their own victory yet. And so he uh, allows us tests that uh, really activate our energy and where we uplift it. And uh, suffering is not pleasant. Uh, we suffer when we're in the ego. Uh, but if we aren't in the ego, we're, we're free because we aren't uh, identified uh, with that. And so uh, what will happen is that uh, when we uh, embrace our tests, 
then that's when we respond uh, cheerfully because that means that we've transcended the reality of that test uh, to a certain degree. Uh, I had, uh, though a few years ago, uh, just went through a period of um, extreme karma, one thing after another, and uh, I wrote uh, Nayaswami Jyotish. Uh, I said, well, I, I'm thinking, I, I think I'm keeping my head above water uh, during this time, and uh, it, it felt like at least I had come to the surface a few times. And, uh, and Jyotish very strongly said that you're getting rid of a lot of karma, and it's moving you that much uh, quicker to, or closer uh, to moksha. And that's really true when we don't resist and don't hold on. Uh, is that it's, it's true for the devotee, is that uh, if we um, were just letting go of some aspect of uh, material attachment from the past, or maybe something from the future, uh, but it's that uncomfortableness of just uh, of material realities and, and being caught by them that gives us the motivation to uh, to grow more. Uh, the second one is uh, don't identify with the experience. Many years ago, maybe 30 years ago or so, uh, I was having a little bit of problems with uh, hurt feelings. And, uh, and I would sort of carry that, this hurt with me. And I had a dream uh, one evening that taught me a real good lesson about this. And in the dream, uh, an Ananda community member, <laughs> who's a very wonderful person, uh, came up to me and shot me eight times in the chest. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought, huh. <laughs> and then in my dream, I was at a meeting with a bunch of community members, uh, leaders in the community. And there were maybe about 18 people in the room. And they were discussing different aspects of the community. And uh, you know how when you're on the edge of a conversation and you have something you want to share, you're kind of looking for an avenue to be able to share it? Well, the conversation kept moving on. And it went for a long time. I didn't get a chance to tell everybody about uh, what had happened to me. I thought it was relevant information. <laughs> you know, it's something that I felt like the leaders should uh, know about. <laughs> But the conversation kept going. And then I heard a voice, and it might, I think it was my right ear, and it said, Bharat, let it go, it doesn't matter. And then it must have been transmitted an understanding that it doesn't matter, and let it go. And, and that's when I really started to see that uh, the whole problem comes in when you're taking it too personally, that this is happening to me. You know, it's, it's, I was reading uh, Promise of Mortality uh, and the chapter on Easter that Swami Kriyananda wrote, and it's a magnificent uh, chapter if you ever find yourself uh, hitting the spiritual tests in your life. There's great advice there. But he was talking about how a master uh, does, uh, can feel pain. Uh, and um, they are, you know, you, you think of a master and their consciousness uh, what does the Christ consciousness mean? That means being unified at the heart of all creation. And you just see yourself in oneness with all that. And that's, that's your reality of life. And uh, we think, well, that, 
you know, they're, they're above that. But, but to uh, demonstrate, to, to feel as the disciples feel, uh, to teach a lesson, uh, they can feel human pain uh, just like we do. Uh, there's a story of Yogananda. He was at uh, Mount Washington, and uh, they were placing the wishing well there. It weighed about 1,000 pounds. And the, the monks, unfortunately, it, it fell out of their hands and uh, fell on Yogananda's foot. And there was an instant pain um, that Yogananda had. And then he uh, turned to all the monks and said, let me show you something. And uh, he said, uh, I'm going to put my mind right here. And then instantly, that pain went away. And Yogananda was able to walk back and forth, back and forth without any sign of that. And then he said, now I'm going to put my mind in the body. And then there was the pain that was there in the body. Uh, and they said, now I'm going to put my mind here. And then he was free of that. And this is an important lesson for all of us, is that uh, if you, and I know we practice this, because we practice it out of desperation, don't we, <laughs> uh, sometimes. Uh, but we go to another place. We go to a higher place. And we focus on a higher reality. And if, and if we keep calling on that reality, that will come. I was just, uh, a few days ago, I, uh, uh, the body was unwell, and it was hard to meditate. And so I just had read this, and, uh, and I just called and called in my meditation. And it was hard to you know, do certain parts of the meditation, but the other parts I could do. And I just kept calling and, uh, and holding my mind up, and that that was real, that that was my reality. And I can't say a whole lot kicked in, but enough to keep me really absorbed for meditating uh, for another uh, 35, 40 minutes or so. Uh, and it's just always there. We just have to call on that. God is always with us. We have to just make the effort, don't we, uh, to be with God. The, the story in the Bible about the good thief, uh, good thief is very, very uh, interesting uh, as an example for us. Uh, as you know, when they were taking Jesus out uh, to be crucified, uh, people were jeering Christ and uh, saying, that if you're the, the Christ, save yourself. And uh, the uh, people would say, uh, he saved others, but he couldn't save himself. And uh, it was all was coming from the crowd. And then uh, Jesus was put on the cross uh, in between the two thieves. And uh, uh, one thief uh, was railing at Christ, saying that if you truly are the Christ, uh, uh, save us and save yourself. And, uh, uh, and then the other uh, thief, who later became uh, known as the good thief, and actually was uh, made a saint by the Catholic Church in the fourth century, uh, he, um, he said, leave him alone. This man has done nothing. Uh, and we're receiving our uh, just reward for our bad acts. Uh, and then he said to Jesus, remember me when you reach the Father. And that's when Christ said that um, uh, you uh, will be one in uh, my paradise. And uh, what had happened uh, with the good thief is that he forgot his own suffering and he was expansive. And this is uh, the, the, the trick of this not identifying uh, just as a master doesn't identify personally uh, with anything that happens to them, 
uh, we, um, uh, but what happens with most people during suffering is we become self-focused. And you know, this is happening to me, and it becomes our, our reality. Uh, but when we radiate outwards and don't identify with it, then our consciousness is larger. And, uh, and we just, in a matter of scale, whatever is happening to us becomes smaller and smaller because we leave that reality behind. And this is really, it, it happens over and over again. Uh, many examples uh, in the community of people who have uh, just didn't buy into the reality of the small suffering that was happening. Uh, Swami said that when he would be um, at the dentist and uh, not taking Novocaine, uh, he would compose music and it was just a little thing that would just pass uh, and, uh, and just to, to have that sense uh, so that um, uh, we, we, we just get out of self-focus, maybe wanting pity from other people for what we're going through or uh, anything like that, but just to expand into a larger reality, uh, to just be free of it. It's not pleasant, uh, uh, that reality, and it just makes sense uh, to just step out of it. Uh, and, and, and that's where meeting things cheerfully uh, and even-mindedly comes in. We, we aren't resisting our karma. When we resist our karma, then that karma takes a lot longer uh, to play itself out. Uh, but if we sort of flow with it and our eye is higher uh, uh, than that karma, uh, it, it just winds out, actually can wind out very quickly. Unless for some reason God wants the process to go a long time to just do a real thorough job of it. <laughs> but, but more work will be done and we'll be more and more free. And then see God as the only reality. God is the greatest magician, Yogananda said. Uh, he uh, takes what looks uh, unreal and he makes it look awful real. And, uh, and that's Maya, that's delusion. And we, uh, we, we identify with that. But, uh, you know, the, Swami Srivananda uses use this example of a canvas painting. And he said that the tiger on the canvas painting, uh, it can't bite you. Uh, the, um, the fire painted on the canvas uh, uh, painting uh, can't uh, burn you. Uh, and uh, this, uh, the knife uh, on the uh, canvas painting, it can't uh, stab you. Uh, and, and that's material reality for the devotee whose reality is based in spirit. Uh, we aren't touched by a lower, lower level of reality. There's a, um, we uh, did a program in New England and there was a gentleman there, uh, it was a Nanda uh, group, and he wasn't part of the group as I think his wife was, uh, but he said as a young boy, uh, he was just two years old and before he learned to speak, that he could just hear the sound of Om and he didn't know the name for it, but he knew it was very thrilling to his being. And he was just comforted by that sound. And uh, sometimes he would see uh, his parents or people that visit him a uh, uh, little bit angry or upset or worrying about uh, something. And, and he uh, he wanted to say, don't worry, 
Om is here. Uh, just listen to it. Uh, and you don't, uh, you don't have to worry because he knew uh, in, his, in his soul uh, of this, just this constant presence of God. Uh, uh, Patanjali uh, said that Om is the most constant divine reality and most accessible of all the realities. And, you know, Om is the vibration of every atom in the universe. Uh, but at the uh, Swami Kriyananda said that every atom, uh, that vibration of that atom is centered by a still point. And that still point is the Christ consciousness reflected in every atom in creation. And so uh, to get to the Christ, uh, what you do is you tune into that vibration. At the roots of that vibration, you know, is Om, the pr pristine vibration. And that leads us to the Christ consciousness. Well, there's a, so that's, that vibration is always there uh, for us. There's a Sister Gaudimanta, uh, Yogananda's most advanced woman disciple. Uh, she had uh, extreme health challenges uh, for over 20 years. And uh, Yogananda, he would often send her, all, uh, send her inner blessings. And she could feel when he was thinking of her. And even if he was far away, and one time, uh, she, he was just in Los Angeles, and that's where she was. And he was giving a, a, a Sunday service talk. And, uh, and then he came back, and he went to her room. And uh, Sister Gautamata was uh, saying to Yogananda how much she enjoyed the different points that he made in the Sunday service talk. And she was like miles away, and this was, uh, wasn't on the radio. It was on her inner radio. And Yogananda said, you heard that, did you? Uh, and so she was just always listening. And you know, the problem is that this is why accepting the divine will is so important, is that if we have our own ambitions, our own uh, little uh, you know, likes and dislikes, and just self-involved, how can we hear uh, and uh, listen to, uh, to God? Uh, it's, we're, we're, we're too busy. I had a, uh, I, oh, maybe about 12 years ago, I, I was in Japan, and I was on the island of Hokkaido. That's the northernmost island. And it was uh, really cold there. Uh, the ice freezes around the island in the dead of winter. I think this was November, late November. It's like uh, sub-Siberia uh, weather, Siberia weather. And uh, there was uh, an eight-year-old boy that was part of the group. Uh, and a, a blizzard came, and there's just really big snowflakes. And it just was pouring out of the sky. And there was already snow there, uh, but you could walk on it. And I had the group write a reflective poem at the end of our nature awareness exercises. And it was cold there. And so uh, uh, people wrote their poems pretty quickly. <laughs> and then they made a, uh, like a beeline back for the tent. But the little boy, he was very into his poem. And he kept writing. And it was just. Uh, uh, and the snow started to build up, and it came over his knees and covered his lap. And it was just so inspiring to see him sit there in a sea of white with all the snow coming down. He was just still, and he was just absorbed in his poem. And, uh, and then it came up uh, to his waist and above his navel, and he was just still writing his poem. 
Uh, and then eventually, uh, I, I, I sort of asked him, are you finished now? And uh, because the, all the other groups were waiting for us, and no, 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 he wanted to finish his poem. Uh, and then eventually he did, and then we went back. And I thought, well, that's very, very inspiring because he was just so single-pointed. And anything that was going around, you know, on the spiritual path, but just living on the material plane, there's going to be adversity that comes. And, uh, but to just be so centered and keeping your eye on your purpose. And this is the, uh, what the devotee needs uh, is to just, um, you know, we're, we're going for God. Uh, renunciation is this dynamically, eagerly setting uh, aside everything that doesn't help us get there, that keeps us separate from God and keeping our eye on the goal. And then, tests will move through us very quickly. We'll be able to see the divine reality behind uh, those challenges. And uh, the presence of God will be singing more and more, ever more deeply in our heart. And may uh, the, the joy of Easter uh, bring you eternal joy and happiness uh, this spring and throughout the year. And that you remember the Christ consciousness within you and may it touch your heart, and may your heart touch the heart of all creation. Bless you all.
joy and